Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. So back in January of 2008, we started supporting the Kimmels. It's funny because uh, I know I'm getting old because 2008 just seems like a couple years ago. And here we are in 2021. I was thinking about it earlier and I was going to say 2020, but we're in 2021. So years just keep flying by. And uh, we're so thankful that we um, have as an extension of our church and our staff, the Kimmels. And uh, it is a joy to have you guys here with us and, uh, and their daughter. Amber and she can tell you about she just graduated from high school she's doing some Eastern Asian language and culture studies I have trouble speaking American English and let alone doing what she does and is going to do down at the um, University of Miami of Ohio and so we're excited that she's with us too and um I can't can't help but to think to pray for her as she as she starts in this new adventure and as mom and dad right they're gonna now have both daughters here in the states and and uh, in a few months uh, the beginning of next year I believe you will head back to Romania and and uh, and empty nesters and a whole different way of ministry and um, but we'll talk about that more later you guys come Dave would you welcome Dave with me. Thank you, Pastor. Well, it's a delight to be back at West Hill. Uh, fond memories of uh, spending time in Awana here when I was just in grade school. And uh, Rick and Sherry Courtwaysey bringing me and my brother and a carload of other kids uh, many times. And uh, just uh, appreciate their faithfulness and obviously the, the time uh, that I had spending in this church. Uh, we do want to just uh, share with you what God has been doing. Uh, it's been almost three years since we were last here, and uh, so we have some new things to share, some new uh, people to introduce, and we have a, a short video that we want to show you in just a moment. Uh, I would direct you to the foyer where we have our display. If you've not seen that, please stop by and pick up a new prayer card. And if you have not signed up before to receive our prayer letter, or uh, you can do that. We have a tablet there for you to sign up. And so please uh, take advantage of that. We're going to be around for the picnic afterwards. Thankfully, the, w the weather has cleared up. And uh, so we're happy to talk with you at that time, uh, answer any questions. And uh, I'll try to keep things moving here so that we're not uh, delayed. So at this point, uh, let's go ahead and watch the video and then I'll come back with some PowerPoint slides after that. There are many grapevines in front of our house in Romania, framing the driveway and the front walk. About 40 of them, in fact. We didn't plant them, but they were entrusted to us when we began renting our house. It was winter when we moved in and the vines were looking their worst, dry, withered, without promise. The owner told us how to take care of them, assuring us that the vines were indeed alive and would yield fruit in their own time. So we invested our time and effort throughout the spring and summer, anticipating a bountiful harvest in the fall. While the master of the vineyard was watching over the grapevines in our yard, he was also watching over many other precious vines across Romania. We are the Kimmel family, 
your missionaries to the country of Romania, serving as church planters with Baptist Midmissions. For the past 11 years, we have tended many vines in the small village of Lungshwara. We have poured ourselves into the Roma community, seeking to share the gospel and bring them to the Lord. The Roma, or Gypsy people, are looked down upon throughout the world, considered by many to be an unprofitable, unproductive minority, unworthy of time and attention, a culture unable or unlikely to change. The Roma culture reflects centuries of hardship, neglect, and discrimination. Many of the Roma are very poor and generally uneducated. They mostly subsist on government support, day labor, or seasonal jobs in other European countries. The cycle continues as their children do not consistently attend school and, like their parents, struggle with basic skills such as reading and writing. Discrimination, a lack of economic opportunities, and differing cultural values make it extremely difficult to break the grip of poverty. Yet God places great value on every life. He loves the Roma dearly and he's been teaching us how to care for these precious vines. Our team ministry began in the summer of 2010 with simple preaching in the street and then in a house. Several adults responded to the Lord and were baptized. In time, we were able to buy land and construct a church building where we could worship together and more effectively minister to the children and families. Many of those early vines have withered under the pressure of unbelievers or the temptations of the world or unfulfilled expectations, but some have returned to the Lord and are growing in their relationship with Him. Our weekly church services and outreach ministries provide us with opportunities to show God's love and care for all Roma, regardless of their circumstances. In many ways, we are still in the spring season of working with the vines in Lukshwara, loving them, helping them, trying to foster within them a desire to know God personally. It has been hard for the Roma men to express interest in the church and to respond to the Lord. Many believe that they need to clean up their lives before they come to Him but are unwilling or unable to do so. Often the women have a greater spiritual sensitivity, but struggle to accept God's unconditional love and complete forgiveness. The children love to come to church and do so all on their own. Our children's ministries, such as Sunday school, children's church, after school help, and other special programs, give us many opportunities to teach them God's word and encourage them to hear God's voice and to respond to him. Some of these little vines are just beginning to bud. Others are growing and showing the earliest signs of fruit. The teens love to attend our separate junior high and senior high youth group meetings and to participate in special activities just for them. Some teen programs such as Bible studies, woodworking sessions, cooking classes, and choir give us opportunities to further spiritual conversations and deepen relationships. Several of our teens have been saved, and we pray that one day they will become spiritual leaders within their community. Some seasons of ministry have been more difficult than others. This has been a particularly difficult term, with teammates leaving on furlough and Dave experiencing sleep apnea and blood pressure issues. However, the greatest challenge was the COVID-19 global pandemic. In March 2020, Romania declared a state of emergency and lockdown began. As we watched the number of cases rise, we had to close the church doors and move to an online ministry instead. Although this was a challenge, we were able to record Bible messages and music as well as children's lessons until we were able to reopen the church in the summer. 
We're thankful that we were also able to help the community with much appreciated food packages three times during the pandemic. As our ministry has grown, so have our own daughters. While both have grown up in Romania with a love for its people and culture, they're now in America preparing for the future God has planned for them. Celeste, age 21, begins her final year in college, while Amber, now 18, begins her first year. Although we will soon return to Romania without our daughters, we are excited about the ministry opportunities that await us in Lungshwara. Thank you for your continued prayer and financial support. You have been such a blessing to us, and we couldn't do this without you. May God bless your faithfulness, and may he bring forth much fruit from his vines in Romania. I hope that has given you a taste for life in Romania uh, after uh, this past term. And uh, obviously the COVID-19 pandemic uh, affected things in Romania just as it has in the U.S. and throughout the world. And I'll share a little bit about that uh, in a moment. But I wanted to just share some brief overview of uh, to fill in some of the gaps in the presentation. And uh, so the first slide is our, our new prayer card. So I'd encourage you to pick up one of those. Uh, the next one I'd like to show is our team. You saw them at various stages in our um, video there, but Luke and Kim Warner and their uh, three children are there. And then Nikki Carr uh, joined us in 2016. She's a nurse and she's also very uh, creative and does a lot with art and uh, painting the murals that we do for Vacation Bible School. And she's even painted a mural in the children's classroom this past year with all the books of the Bible. Um, and so she just jumps in and helps wherever she can. She's a very uh, dedicated worker. And so, uh, but Luke and Kim and Nikki uh, are still in Romania right now. And uh, they have plans for Vacation Bible School this summer. We weren't able to do that last year. Uh, just simply because of uh, COVID restrictions. And uh, so you can be praying for them in our absence that, uh, that they're able to continue on and to continue to see fruit in the ministry among the, the teens, especially and the young children and, uh, and our adults. I'll share uh, some things that are going on there as well. Next slide. Uh, just so you have an idea of where we serve in Romania, we're in the village of Lungshwara, and we live in a town called Alejd, which is about 15 minutes east of Lungshwara, or uh, west of Lungshwara. Um, and so we're in that northwest part of the country. We're about five, uh, 500 kilometers, you know, 300 plus miles from the capital. So if you hear about Bucharest, uh, we know where that is, but we don't get there very often. And it's a very difficult travel because we don't have connected highways throughout the entire country. That's something that is, is ongoing. They're promising to do more and more. But in the last decade, there's maybe been about 40 or 50 kilometers total added to the highway system each year. And so it's just snail pace. And a lot of that is because of corruption. Uh, obviously, the funding is, is predominantly coming through the European Union. And so one day we'll be able to drive straight through from uh, the border to Bucharest without having to jump on two lane roads and drive through all the little villages. And, and so uh, that's coming, but it's not quite there yet. Uh, just some, some more about the pandemic. Uh, Romania took a very, uh, I think, proactive approach as far as trying to contain 
the spread of COVID-19. And uh, so very early on in March of last year, they did lock things down where uh, you were restricted from uh, pretty much going out unless you needed to go to certain places like stores or if you had obviously emergencies and that kind of thing work. Um, but it got to the point where you had to uh, sign a form or fill out a, uh, a Dovada, they call it, uh, to show where you were going if you wanted to go to another city, um, if you needed to, even if it was for a legitimate reason, you had to be able to justify why you were going out. And so we had about three months of that, the state of emergency. And since then, uh, since around June of last year, we've continued to be in a state of alert. And so the state of alert has allowed the government to continue to keep a tight hold on things, keep a limit on how many people can gather, uh, obviously mask restrictions and all that. But in the last three or four months, I'd say, or you know, especially this year, they've become more um, localized in terms of the restrictions. So in our part of the country, we never had a serious, serious outbreak. Um, numbers always stayed right around. Uh, they use a different numbering system, but under three per thousand, I think is kind of the, the number they use. And um, so we've been very thankful that we didn't experience that. But in much of the country, the closer to the capital, the more populated areas, all the you know, emergency rooms, all the beds were filled that they had with uh, ventilators and so forth. And, and it was very, there was a lot of concern that we were gonna go beyond about 1,600 beds is what they were able to, you know, and it wasn't just a matter of beds, but the, um, the personnel that were able to man those uh, hospital beds and be able to do the interventions that are necessary, especially for people that were uh, on ventilators and so forth. So, um, but thankfully things have, have really progressed even in the last month. We came back a month ago today and it's, the, the numbers have been just declining drastically. And so now the government is keeping the state alert, but they're allowing uh, bigger gatherings for weddings and uh, things that you would expect in the summertime. Uh, obviously the vacation season, that's, that's a big deal. Um, so Europe is wanting to be able to coordinate things where they can open back up. Um, so, but through the, the COVID time, uh, we did have to adjust things as we shared in the video. We had to uh, go to the, a video format and we did that for the, that three month period especially and then um, continued that especially with the children. Ruth was very diligent in doing her lessons online each Sunday uh, for both age groups. And so um, that, that continued because when we started things back up at the end of June, it was primarily just for the teens and adults. And so, because we, would, we knew we could quickly be past the limits that we could contain in the church if we had all the children show up. <laughs> and so uh, that was hard. That was really hard because the kids were not really able to go to school. Um, school has been a, a challenge just like it is here and, and still is. Um, so, uh, but we could not allow them to come in and, and uh, potentially infect us or us affect them. And uh, so, you know, but towards uh, fall, we were able to include the children's program again and be able to, to kind of start to introduce things. But we have, we, have we, we insisted on masks. That's been a very challenging thing for the kids, especially. Uh, 
you know, because at home and and everywhere else they're they're not required to do that. So, again, we're kind of bumping up against the differences with Roma culture, and and many are just not convinced that COVID is real. They're still, you know, when we found when uh, it went through our team, uh, they were we were getting questions like, "You mean it's real?" And uh, and so that's just simply because it's not uh, thought of the same way, or they're not really engaged with what's uh, happening in the, in the world around them, and so, um, but thankfully, you know, things are, are much much closer to normal today, and probably by the time Vacation Bible School comes around, there won't be the the mask uh, requirement. And I know our teammates are really hoping for that because we have a lot of kids <laughs> that come uh, for Vacation Bible School. Uh, our future plans uh, is obviously to continue what we're doing right now with. Our focus on the youth and the teens, this has been pretty much through the last term, uh, primarily because we we obviously want to encourage the adults to be there and to attend, but many of them are in a situation where they're out of the country for a portion of the year, earning income and sending that back, and, and it just changes. They, they, they alternate with family members, and for those that, when they do come back, they want to do stuff at home, they want to be with their families, and church kind of falls at, at the bottom of that in terms of the priorities. So, but we do have the teens. We do have a, a good group of uh, young people that are coming. We've we divided things up over this term. Uh, uh, Luke and Kim really felt that we reached a point where we needed to have smaller groups of teens, and we had to divide even in the last uh, uh, few weeks before we left again. So we have... Uh, um, the younger teens from 12 to 15, they meet on one night, and then we have the older teens meet on another night. And so that the, the older teen group tends to be smaller, and so it's a little more intimate, but we're able to do things that are more geared towards the older group. And Amber uh, would attend that as well, and she had friends that were uh, participating in that smaller group. Uh, but now we've even found that, um, not so much because of COVID, but because we have a, a large number of these younger teens come, that we're having to do um, boys and girls and kind of keep the boys. They're gonna have their first hour and then the girls are gonna have their second hour. And and we had started to do kind of rotation through the, uh, they'd, they'd come for the lesson and they'd have a craft time and then game time and snacks. So we, we were doing a rotation where we, we had the boys in one part of the building and then the girls in the other. And uh, that worked pretty well, but with, with Ruth and I being gone now, that's two fewer hands. And so if we felt it was time, uh, given the numbers, to, to try to separate that. And I think that's, that's a better long-term approach. And thankfully, we have a good group of nine or ten boys. You saw them in the picture there with their masks. Those are the boys that are coming every uh, Tuesday night, or no, not Tuesday, Wednesday night when we do the, the younger group. And so you can be praying for them. Um, we also want to uh, continue, um, I'm having a little trouble reading here. <laughs> yeah, we want to uh, continue the, uh, the ministry that we've started with people that are um, the, 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 I'm trying to remember. Oh yeah, let me look, <laughs> Ruth, totally look behind you. Okay, so Ruth, uh, this is where she would normally share about preschool and for uh, the grandmothers. Um, this is something that we have uh, 
obviously many, many young children. And, and the community is not a huge community, but we do have probably anywhere from six to 10 kids that are being born every year. And uh, so um, there's, there's clearly an opportunity to continue to help. And for those kids that are not uh, being taught well in school, that's a whole nother discussion that we could have. And certainly COVID has not helped the education prospects for the Roma kids. Um, preschool is, is really a, a place to begin, much like we would start with the children with Bible school and with, you know, we have kids from probably two or three on up. If they're, if they're old enough to walk, <laughs> you know, they come to, to Ruth's class. And so uh, they're hearing the gospel, they're hearing Bible stories, they're hearing things that, that are practical for their lives. And so Ruth would like to be able to continue that. Uh, we do also have a young lady, Sarah. Um, again, this is a whole other story that we could have, but basically Sarah met us on deputation and, and has stayed connected with us. And uh, she came to Romania at the age of 16. Um, and she was back uh, two years ago for a five month period. She was uh, with another, uh, in another part of the country with another ministry, but she obviously uh, felt that God was still working in her heart for Romania. And, and, uh, wants to come and spend time with our team for a year. And so, uh, but she's really thinking longer than one year. Uh, so you can be praying for that. Ruth is, is uh, planning to take that on as uh, kind of being her mentor. And so uh, you can pray for Sarah. She needs to raise her support for that one year period. Also for uh, additional projects around the church. Uh, last year, we were able to install some new pavers around the perimeter of our church. So that uh, allowed us to have more um, area to do things outside when the weather permits. In fact, in the back of the church, um, we have a large enough area there where we were able to have some services or meetings out there last year uh, during the, the, the COVID restrictions. And so um, that uh, is something we want to be able to continue in the front of the church where we have parking right now, but be able to use that uh, for uh, for instance, for basketball or for playing games. And so that area is a little bit bigger than what we have in the back. So that's, a, that's another longer term project, as well as improving access into the property from the Roma community. It's a pretty rocky and muddy uh, trek, especially this time of year. If we get a, a week of rain, it doesn't dry out for another week. And so, um, so that's something we'd like to do is have something leading into the church more easily. Um, we've also uh, talked a number of times about doing some kind of cemetery uh, in the community. And that could either be um, adjacent to the property where we have the church right now, or just finding a whole nother location. A lot of it's gonna depend on zoning and what we're allowed to do. We're in a very rural area, but we still want to do things right. And we still want to follow the law in terms of where you put, uh, especially something as, as important as a cemetery. And so um, that's something that has been on our radar for a while. Primarily, it happens whenever we have someone uh, that has a member of their family die. And, and if they are not part of the Orthodox Church anymore, they are not permitted to be buried in the Orthodox Cemetery. Um, or if they are, they still pertain or are still uh, tangentially involved in the Orthodox Church, then they can be buried there, but they usually have to pay a, a pretty large tax in order to be, uh, to, you know, open the plot, to, to pay the priest. And a lot of that, you know, is, is we're not sure where the money that's going uh, for that. And so 
we would like to offer an alternative, especially for people that have a connection with our church. And eventually, as we have members uh, that are getting older and that, that, that would be something um, that it would be great to have. So that's another bit longer term project that we'd ask you to pray about. It will certainly require funding to, to purchase the land and then to, to, to do some uh, basic preparation for um, plots and so forth. But um, that's just a, a longer term goal. And then obviously continue to seek opportunities to work with Romanian pastors and Romanian friends in the area. Um, and so that, uh, they've gone through a lot of the hard times with church being closed or not being able to meet. Um, and so they're trying to open things back up just as, as you have been here. And so, uh, but not everybody comes back and not everybody uh, gets re-engaged. And so um, it's important to not allow people to fall through the cracks. Some prayer needs just uh, clearly as we're just beginning our furlough ministry, we'll be traveling uh, pretty much every weekend. So you can pray for our travel, for uh, for vehicle to to hold up and to do well. For Celeste, as she's starting her senior year of college uh, at Cedarville, and Amber, as she's beginning at uh, Miami and Oxford, uh, just pray for our girls and, and for God's direction and leading in their life. Uh, for continued healing for Tarzan, if you uh, read our prayer letters that uh, he went through the whole COVID, was in the hospital for over six weeks, very, very serious. Um, he has, still has some effects from that. He still has some things he needs to do uh, to, to take care of himself better. And uh, so um, you can pray for Tarzan, but he has been very regular in attending and, and wanted to be back. Even sometimes his wife would, would uh, pull us up on the phone while he was in the, in the uh, hospital there so he could hear what we were doing at church. And so um, you can pray for him. And then for Tarzan's wife, Ramona, and another young lady, Madalena, who grew up in our ministry, uh, has not been real regular recently, but she has started to come again. And we learned just a couple weeks ago that she and Ramona uh, prayed to receive Christ. And so that has been a, that's a huge answer to prayer. And uh, we, we are excited to learn more about that. But I know we've had a lot of discussions with Ramona specifically because she was planning to go work in another country, even though Tarzan's still not 100%. And uh, so um, we really encourage, well, if you're going to do that, you know, we've talked a lot about salvation. You should take care of that before you leave. And we didn't want her to leave. And so I'm not sure if she's left as of yet, but uh, uh, it's probably going to happen very soon if it hasn't already. So she'd probably be gone for, for three months. And then Madalena is, is a younger lady who uh, has two children. Her husband is, uh, is a keyboardist. So he plays in, a, in one of these bands that many of the Roma guys support themselves. So they're playing at weddings or baptisms or you know, other uh, events like that. And that's how they earn income. But of course, it's not always, they're not really playing Christian music and there's dancing and all the, the things that go on you know, with, with in a party atmosphere. And that's, uh, so that keeps a lot of the men from engaging in what we're doing. Unfortunately, they, they're embarrassed by that and uh, they don't want to give that up, obviously. And so Christy is uh, Madalena's husband. He's a, he's a, you can tell he has a, a good heart. And I think, and he's been coming with Madalena to the services more recently. But uh, you can pray for Christy that he would, 
um, likewise follow Madalena in salvation. And then um, I know they were going through some difficulty in their family with finances and that, partly because not being able to work much of last year and he had borrowed money and, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a common theme right now. So pray for that family. Um, just some update on my health, just, you know, the blood pressure has been much better since we've been back. Uh, I think there was a lot of stress leading up to our return. And so I was dealing with that even the day we flew out. Um, not severe, but just enough that it stays elevated where uh, I'm not comfortable and it's hard to sleep. And so uh, the apnea is doing okay. Thankfully, I was able to get that taken care of uh, before we left the last time. Um, but I uh, do want to get back in to see my doctor for that. Um, and then um, I do have a, a procedure that I have scheduled on uh, in two weeks to have a basal cell uh, skin cancer removed on my back. Um, I had that biopsied uh, about three weeks ago, so you can pray for that on the 29th. Uh, hopefully it will be straightforward, but, you know, for those of you who had had that done, it's not, not a pleasant experience, and so um, pray for me, especially there. Um, for the children in Lungshuara, um, as I alluded to earlier, the school year really last year and then this year has been, it's been all up in the air and uh, it's not been consistent. I wouldn't say they're not doing school, you know. They've done school, but because there's restrictions in that and because of the the way they, they uh, controlled, if a, if a certain community uh, became in, in too high a level, then half the kids would go online, half would, would stay in class. And so that was, that was changing almost week to week. And so, um, so pray for especially the Roma kids as they have been further ad, uh, adversely affected by not being in, in, in school regularly and not being able to go to school. Um, and then also for more men and women uh, to come to church uh, adults especially, and to respond to the gospel like Ramona and Madalena. And uh, we would love to have more involvement from all age groups, not just the youngest in the community. And uh, for those that maybe felt some inhibition before because of past things in their lives, uh, it's something we struggle with a lot. You know, people feel like, oh, I've got to clean up my life before <laughs> before I can go to church, just because of the embarrassment and the, and the uh, the stigma, um, and and that's it's just a cultural thing, uh, you know. If they if they see someone that they, that they know has been doing things that they shouldn't, you know, how how dare they go to church, you know? And so, um, pray that people would be more open to the gospel and to coming and hearing God's word. And this is just a closing slide that shows you some of the snapshots of. Our young people, um, you can see uh, down at the bottom there with Amber and, and uh, those are two sisters, Larissa and Paola. Paola actually just graduated last week. And so you can um, praise God for that because she's, we believe, probably the first Roma girl from Lungshuara to have gone all the way through. And so she has some decisions to make, obviously, about future. She's a talented singer. She, you know, she's just an artist. She does really, she's responded when we've done those things. And so, and, and her sister is, is even more uh, consistent right now in terms of spiritual things. So you can pray for those two gals. And then you see down there at the bottom where one of our choir outings. Um, uh, so 
praise. Uh, music is obviously a big part of our ministry there. And uh, thank, thank the Lord for what he's doing in the village of Lungshwara. Uh, just in the time that we have left, I wanted to open God's word for a few moments with you and to kind of shift gears here. Um, the passage I would like us to look at is Psalm 15, 1 through 5. Psalm 15, 1 through 5. And the, the topic is, is on this matter of integrity in our culture today. And there are, obviously, integrity covers a whole lot of areas. Um, but today I would like us to look at just one aspect from this passage, and, and it deals with our mouths and our tongues and our communication. The Bible says here, O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell in your, on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change, who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved." So these uh, verses, I think, are the formula for a person of integrity. They should be our, our list. And I've put together a list of six things through this passage here. He walks blamelessly and upright. He speaks truth, not slander. He does no evil toward his neighbor, despises the vile, but honors the faithful, swears to his own hurt and does not change. And then he deals honestly with his finances. Um, so the the... the Second one is really the one I want to focus on. And I think uh, as we think about the word integrity, clearly we're in a, a state of crisis <laughs> and probably have been for some time. And uh, oftentimes when we hear the word integrity, it's not in a good sense because it's connected to a story about someone who's, who's fallen or who's, who's done something that they shouldn't do. But for the believer, integrity is, is clearly what our target should be uh, in, in the Christian walk and in our lives as we desire to serve God. Uh, we should be all about living blamelessly and upright, and we should be very aware of what we're saying and, and what impact our words have on others. And unfortunately, in the, the situation that we find ourselves, where there's a lot of turmoil, there's a lot of uncertainty, there's a lot of crisis, uh, words get thrown around pretty pretty liberally, and that's not often in a positive way. And uh, Webster's New World Dictionary defines integrity as the quality or state of being of sound moral principle, uprightness, honesty, and sincerity. Dr. Thomas Gaines of the Institute for Leadership and Ethics uses the definition consistently adhering to a discernible set of moral values and making daily choices. And then Craig Groeschel of Life Church simplifies this even further by saying integrity is when your behavior matches your beliefs. So certainly as a believer, our behavior should match what we believe. Amen? Uh, we should be following the principles that Jesus Christ set down when he was here on earth. You don't see him engaging people in uh, an uh, argument or in a way that is, is uh, confrontational, Obviously, he used scripture to be confrontational, but it wasn't in a way to, to one-up or to, to make himself look better and, and so forth. Obviously, motives are a big part of that. But 
as we look at number, the second point in verse 2, or uh, verse 3, who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, that, that word slander is certainly one that uh, we need to be thinking about. The danger of words, and in our day, uh, day-to-day communication, whether that be written words, whether that be something we punch out on our phone or on our keyboard, uh, those are words too. Those matter probably even more than just verbalizing because they are in black and white and they can be rehearsed over and over again. And uh, we've all received a message, a written message or a text message that is unpleasant and, and it's, it's hard to put that aside, isn't it? Um, and so be aware of what, what you're saying and, and don't be duped into following just because that's what uh, everybody does on the internet or uh, and it's so easy to do because it's anonymous, you're not face-to-face, don't get trapped in that mindset. But we're also bombarded by things on TV, news, politics, obviously, is where a lot of this comes from. And our friends, coworkers, words that may not be directed towards us, but obviously they have an effect. They influence us. They, They weigh on us. They discourage us. In James chapter 3, the author speaks at length about the harm our words can have, and he uses visual illustrations throughout the book from everyday life to show us the practical terms, ill effect we can cause with our tongues. Listen to James 3, 5 through 10. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not so to be. Very important words. Obviously, as believers, we have an extra requirement to guard our tongues and to not use our tongues in a way that are displeasing to God and that that are damaging to another person, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ. But even those outside the church, we're not exempt. We can't just go off on somebody that because they're not a part of the church or because we know they're not a believer. No, we don't have that double standard in our lives. And that's, again, where the integrity and what we say is so important uh, to, to be consistent, to live what you believe every day, not just some of the time. Words matter, friends. And more importantly, the meaning behind those, behind those words also matter. Too much hate, too much anger is being disseminated today for us as believers to be wrapped up in that. And so we must guard ourselves and protect ourselves. And sometimes it's just better to turn off the computer, turn off the phone, not look at social media for a few days and and just let kind of things settle. But if you're accustomed to, to being someone who's not entirely truthful or gossiping or saying things that cannot be verified, just stop. Ask God to help you not be a person that is driven by words that are are not meaningful or that aren't truthful. It's not how the believer should be living. 
choose words carefully and ask the Holy Spirit to help you be a person of integrity, not only through your mouth, but also in other areas of life as we've listed in Psalm 15. As we conclude, I'd like to us to consider how we each can respond to this crisis of integrity. How is the believer expected to counter the culture in which we live? Carl Vaders recently wrote, everyone lives in some ways that are contradictory to what we say we believe. So we need to strive to live with integrity, speak with humility, and offer true repentance when we've sinned, not just to God, but to the people who have been hurt. Now, this may seem like a rather obvious solution to integrity or the lack of integrity today, but we need to strive nevertheless to live with integrity and speak with humility. That word humility is really important in there, isn't it? We need to be humble before the Lord and be humble before others. And in that way, we will guard our tongues and that we will live as people of integrity. As we begin to turn this course on the crisis of integrity, we can do so by being ever watchful over our, our mouths and over what we say and thus not hurt those around us. Amen. Let's bow in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for today. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for um, bringing my family here safely and that we're able to share the things that are going on in Romania. We do pray that you'd continue the work uh, in our absence and that you'd bless our teammates each day as they continue what uh, they are responsible for. And certainly summer is a busy, busy time, a lot of activities and uh, pray that you just help them as they plan, especially for VBS. We pray likewise for West Hill and, and their upcoming VBS and all the preparations that are, are underway and getting started. And I pray that you bring out uh, many, many children, that there would be sufficient volunteers and uh, that this would be a mighty work in the community. Lord, as we reflect on just this passage, uh, help us to be people of integrity, help us to review these six things as we go uh, home later today. Help us, Lord, to be ever mindful of not just our words and, and what they mean, but also to walk uprightly and to have uh, be aware of where we go, where, what we're doing, and how our actions affect those around us, Lord. Thank you for all your blessings. Thank you for uh, uh, this time we've had to be together in your house today. In Jesus' name, amen.